Easy segue. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Start off Munster. Um, um, we'll start off Munster. Then we'll obviously just cover Leinster, Connacht, Ulster's win over Northampton. Um, yeah, I didn't see that game now. Um, I've only I've I've skimmed through the highlights. I didn't really see anything okay. but the Munster match. Um, okay, but yeah, we'd be grand. Then what we talk? I suppose if it's the end of the year, we can just talk about who you thought was the, I don't know, the team of the year, the player of the year, blah blah blah, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. That's who it's. Yeah, could do. Could do. Oh, actually, like you it, know what's good? We can get a while out of Ben Healy, actually. We probably could, actually, yeah. He was class. Um, I'm kind of backing him now more than Carberry, but... Yeah. <laughs> I think he's glass. Yeah. Um, like, uh, like we, Joe, it doesn't have to be too long either because there was so little rugby on, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we could probably just keep it 40 minutes even, an hour. Like, if you talk for an hour, great. Like, sure, it's only yeah. 40 minutes. Just but. concise and hit the points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, how was that? How was Galway actually before we start quickly? That was fucking rough. Jesus. Yeah. So, so there's nothing worse. Like a good night out is good abroad. Well, not abroad, but like out of the yeah, county. Away from when home. You wake up, when you wake up, though, you're just like, fuck. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. could, you probably hear my voice as well. Like I'm, I'm rusty. Like. Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, like even I was in Cork last night as well with the missus. So were you? Yeah. Uh, I was. Yeah. I'm gonna come home this morning. Um, Jesus. Man, I can't do that when I'm hungover. I'm. I'm hidden away. Like, yeah, I have to stay yeah, no. yeah, I'm here. I'm here anyway. That's the main thing. I'm ready to go. I'm fed and everything. So, right, we'll start this. So, we, yeah, right. Let's wing it. Let's go. Hello, folks, and once again, welcome back to the breakdown. It's myself, Mark Riley, and Ben Geary, where you look back at a Pretty important result for Munster. Maybe not a classical of games, but they got the result against Cast at home, Tolman Park, and Saturday night. We'll look back at that result. We will also look back at the walkover involving Leinster and Montpellier and the implications that might have on Leinster's chances of winning the trophy. We'll also look back at rugby throughout the year as a whole, our best players, our best teams, best coaches, and everything else involved. Uh, we would also wish everyone a happy Christmas. And uh, Ben... How are we? How are we feeling? Not too bad, Mark. How are you getting on? Good. I'm good. I'm a bit discouraged by this. We had the new guidelines and ah, of course, yeah. with, uh, restrictions, but yeah, I don't know. We're not talking about that because <laughs> everyone else is. So we're going to cover the rugby and we're going to cover Munster and Cast, which in the first place, I was actually surprised it went ahead. Uh, then it did. And it was kind of a strange game. It was a bit weird. Yeah, it was a bit kind of... I don't know. It was like it was almost like particularly the ending where uh, kind of that's what I mean. Yeah, cast had a good thing going. They just kick it out and the, the ending kind of was... summed up the game. It was just it did, weird. Yeah. It, was, it was just a weird night. Um, strange night. Not a classic match. Not the best performance from Munster, but at the end of the day, get the result and with everything. Like we said, like we stated in previous episodes on the breakdown, just look with the with the hectic weeks that have that have been in the last two yeah. weeks. You just have to get the results. That's all you can do. So yeah. Um, so yeah, so 1913. Um, yeah, we'll start off there actually because I think that's it's the standout. Why were Cass so willing to accept the losing bonus point? I don't know, I think that's probably the the million euro question in many ways at this stage, but uh, to be honest, I'm not sure. Like, I, I definitely do think it was tough going to Tolman Park. Um, Especially after losing to Harlequins at home and losing losing a, a what was quite a lengthy unbeaten record at home for Cast, uh, and then to turn around and go to to Tolman Park, you know, in a, in a cold night in Limerick is is less than ideal in many ways. But absolutely, you know, equivalent of Anfield on a Champions League night, really. Yeah, like it's exactly, just, more or less. Where you want to go, like it's just the last no. place you want to. Absolutely. And um, like Connacht were kind of in the same thing going to, to Welford Road in, in Leicester. Yeah. Um, but it, sometimes there's just some locations in every sport, like you said, is just they're really hard places to go to and win. Um, like maybe if you're Toulouse or if you're, I don't know, maybe La Rochelle, it's, it's a little bit easier. But but for a team like Cast, who are, uh, I think they're number six in the top 14 table, you know, middling, it's it's really hard to kind of dig deep and, and produce a result like that. Um and yeah, but, you know, I, I think the way of looking at it is if you had offered them before the game, so if you before the game for the match commenced, you would say Cast would take a losing bonus point. So when you look at it from that view, you're kind of like completely understandable. And I get where they're coming from. 
it's just kind of the way the game unfolded because I thought they got back into it towards the end and they were pushing Munster. But it's almost like, look, we came here to do a job and we've done the job almost. That's yeah. that's the sense I got from it. So, yeah, it was like it was a bit it was a bit it was a bit kind of underwhelming. I'd say even with all that was going on around France with, you know, other French teams not not exactly. being able to play at all. And, and yeah. like the game was kind of hanging on by a, a thread in the days and even hours probably leading up to it anyway. So in order to kind of maintain a, a, a regimented kind of preparation or, or training routine in the days or weeks prior was probably a bit tricky or days prior, I should say. But, um, and then by the time when the game actually does go ahead, you know, it must be, it must've been so tough to stay motivated and stay, you know, that's that's the thing fresh. though. Like it's it's as much as it is a physical game, it's mental and like you'd be yeah. mentally fatigued. Like Absolutely. they're surely giant, not knowing what Joe lack of preparation, not knowing who is able to play, not knowing if they are able to play, if they are fit enough after the lack of preparation. The whole thing is just yeah, yeah. Probably the only time in my life where I actually have sympathy from some professional yeah. sports players. It's the only time where I'm just like, it must be extremely tough in any, in any walk of sport, like in any sport, it's, it's not an easy time. So exactly. yeah, it's been difficult for everyone. And I suppose that's why you can't give out to Munster for getting the job done and just getting the result. I mean, yeah, exactly. And like, even looking back at it, like Munster were probably a bit experimental in many ways, Do you know, they didn't really, and not, not saying that they didn't give cast the, the respect they deserve, but um, like there was a lot of things that were, that were, I don't know, how'd you say? Munster were, were trying to play a game that they could play, not the game they wanted to play in many ways. Um, like Patrick Campbell was still playing fullback, uh, even though he's a great prospect. It, it must only mean that, it must only mean that um, the likes of Mike Haley and, and Matt Gallagher are, are still not available. Um, yeah. But, sorry, do you mind if we just pause this here for two seconds? No. Might be a bit annoying. I, there's a there's someone at the gate. I need to call them the fuck off. Give me two seconds. You're fine. Two minutes there. Uh, I'll take down the time, so Jack. Take this out. Sorry about that. <laughs> You're all good. I could just hear you panting coming back up. <laughs> Sorry, no. Um, no, no I, I took down the time anyway, so it's all good, Jack. And lovely. Just cut it. Um, but uh, right. really hoping that wasn't going to happen. Anyway, go on. Right, sure. So, so it's working from home, like. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, ba- just talking about basically, yeah, the implications of this for cast and monster. I mean, the group is kind of taking shape now. So, We'll actually just take a break from the match for like two seconds. Who are you comfortable Munster are going to top it? Um, uh, comfortable, I, I think they will, but I, I wouldn't say I was comfortable that they would. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like it's still the Champions Cup, you know, like as soon as you think that you have it figured out, like, you know, there's someone someone yeah. who's who's working on their own their own game could could come along and topple you. 
like Leinster kind of fell uh, victim to that to, to La Rochelle last year, I think a little bit. Um, maybe went into that that semi final a bit too comfortable, but or a little bit too confident. But then again, like you know, anything can happen. I think Munster are definitely good enough to do it, but like yeah. whether saying they will is a is a is a different kind of kettle of fish. But but yeah. uh, why? What do you think? I would say yeah. Um, I think yeah because I mean. <sighs> Again, this probably does sound like I'm being comfortable, but I, this is just how I see it. Is that I don't think Munster yeah. have really gotten into. I, I think they've fully got going yet. Yeah, and I think definitely. I think I think Harlequins now is. Yeah, I think that's a big one in terms of a statement to be made. I think Munster yeah. can make lay down a marker of how they they are actually a serious contender in this competition. So yeah, I would I would feel comfortable. I'd feel they can tap it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, so. I suppose on the performance, I mean, there's not there's not a whole lot of highlights, but I mean, what you can, what we can look at is, firstly, Ben Healy. Yeah, something statement else. Made, statement made, I would yeah. say, and again, of course, like we we've discussed this numerous times. Yeah, teams have been depleted, and it's odd times, whatever. All you can do is play who your player opposition, and he's done that supremely well. And his his place kicking is. Up there, like phenomenal, something else. Like, and I, I often, I often, I've written a lot of pieces about Ben, and I've often mentioned him in many ways. Um, like even talking about his within the context of Ireland and talking about who his kind of competition is, whether it's yep. Ross Byrne or Harry Byrne or Jack Carthy. Yeah. Like looking at the shift Johnny Sexton has put in over the past, I don't know, 10, 13, 14 years, maybe, um, in a green jersey, like a lot of the injuries and kind of knocks and niggles that he got were from, you know, teams targeting an out half. But I feel like a lot of those issues are kind of, I wouldn't say obsolete when it comes to Ben Ely, like, but he's a much bigger, stronger out half than anyone else who's, who's also going in for that Irish 10 jersey, you know? And um, fresher. And he's fresher, absolutely. Like, I think he's the guts of 6'4". Um, like, he could get up to... He's probably not quite 100 kilos, but he's maybe closer around to high 80s, 90s, mid 90s. Um, And he's a big, strong guy uh, when like even and I know that doesn't that's not everything. Of course, you need to be a good like footballer as well in many ways. But like, my God, like for for a guy who can kick that powerfully both off the tee and out of hand, like he can really put teams in some amazing positions in regards to territory, in regards to, you know, just getting up the pitch so much quicker than running the ball you know i think he's what's impressed me with him is uh maybe the way he's taken to it so easily yeah oh so, exactly like, yeah there hasn't been too many teething problems with him like no. it's very rare you see someone of his age come into a side like monster i mean and this is of absolute no disrespect this is just this is fact in my opinion so a, a club or a province like monster that have the you know the historical riches that they do Mm-hmm. It's it's a lot of weight on the shoulder. Whereas if he was stepping into again, no disrespect, we actually bigged up Connacht last week when we were talking about yeah. them, made massive strides and they are brilliant. And Jack Carty is an outstanding ten. But if you had someone of Ben Healy's age coming through as a ten, there's no way the expectancy level is on par. There's just no chance. And for me, for what he's done for Munster so far, has just yeah, he's brushed aside all of it. Look. If, if if I was to show you his last, let's say we'll go, we'll just say his last ten performances in a red jersey, and yeah. I showed it to a person who was a massive, massive rugby fan. However, they've never watched Monster, which obviously would be impossible. But let's just say <laughs> hypothetically, yeah, yes, let's just say I showed them ten games, and they would be like, right, I'd be like, guess the age. They they probably go twenty five, twenty six. He's been doing this a while. Yeah. He, he he he's just so it's the consistency for me which is the polar opposite to Carberry as we've mentioned many a times Carberry arguably has more talent there's more match winning ability maybe in his arsenal however this is the difference and this is what you have to choose with your style of play i mean ben healy just he you know he's going to knock the ball over he's going to get you your points and he's not going he's very very the error risk is is quite minimal yeah and i think yeah. for his age that's quite an attribute to have. Like, I, th- I think something interesting, like I know what you're saying about his age, like he's only 22, yeah. but like age is one thing, but when you think of the amount of hours that he's put into his game from the age of 
13 is is just outrageous like yeah. and I, I was familiar with ben in a when he was playing in the school ranks with glenn stall and like when he was in fourth year he made it he was starting his his for his senior cup team when he was in fourth year um like probably not the biggest guy in the pitch mm. um but he started, pushed starting 10 which is starting out half yes yeah as a fourth yeah, year that's, yeah um, it's, a, it's another level again which is you know something different completely um yeah. like he pushed the then out half jack stafford who's now playing for harlequins uh who was he's now a scrum half but at the time jack stafford was a, an out and out you know fly half and yeah. but he ended up pushing him to 12 and for like a ty student to do that to for oh, a guy nice. who's already hit incredible heights in in with harlequins yeah. now um you know who he, he did stafford did his time in the monster academy and then impressed on trial with with harlequins and ended up getting a contract but like for that guy to just just walk onto a team that was already very talented in probably the most difficult position to yeah. to, to make and get all the responsibility of kicking out a hand and kicking out a tee you know at that age is just is i think is probably unheard of and if not there's very few examples of other players doing it so that, I mean, that kind of exactly that's actually a very good point because that ties into what we were mentioning so when i talk about pressure he's been in the pressure cooker since ty yeah yeah that's the skills game you're that young going into a position like that for a senior cup yeah you 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 have pressure so mm -hmm. it's definitely it's definitely it's definitely paid uh, like it's definitely what's the word i suppose it's attributed to him yeah. being as comfortable as he is on the pitch um so all in all the game so who was your standout player if it's kind of to be honest it was hard to yeah. kind of think. <laughs> not was bad but it was just there was no real standouts but do you have one and if so why um yeah that's a that's a that's a tricky one of course i would say ben healy because he was so he kept monster in it in many ways um mm -hmm. i think jack o'donoghue played very very well um it just just from a standpoint like i know he was the only man to get a try but like his work rate off the ball and on the ball as well was just incredible like he was yeah. everywhere yeah. um but then again at the same time i i saw a lot of good things from conor murray as well um i thought he was playing faster i thought he was a bit more lively a bit more aware than usual which is probably something he's been working on over the past couple of months 100 um, i would i would so, think so yeah, yeah i think we've been seeing seeing the fruits of of that hard work that he's been putting in behind the scenes yeah. uh, not all of it but a little bit of it yesterday you know we're, we're kind of seeing the trajectory he's going and you know so yeah all good things um yeah and just like i suppose cast look we said we, we just stated there earlier i suppose they came they would think they did a job they got the losing bonus points monster get the win are both teams happy leaving Tottenham park you'd argue there uh yeah i'd argue there um like cast are probably very upset like they really put it up to harlequins and um, they only barely lost out to harlequins uh the week prior um come to Tolman Park is is a tough job but at the same time Munster aren't exactly hitting the ground running at the moment you know with yeah. all the kind of confusion that, around yeah. Van Gran and not confusion but um it's they're not exactly yeah. settled I'd say mm. um yeah. like when your head coach has already turned around and said that he's moving to a true rugby city in Baths is I mean I mean it might motivate you but it also might kind of yeah. take you back a couple of steps in many ways because you're kind of that's, thinking well jesus exactly yeah. that's what we were talking about last week on the breakdown if anyone missed it you can go back uh it's on youtube and yeah. on facebook <laughs> and you can catch it because it was i thought we had a good conversation about it and i thought it was intriguing to see your angle compared to mine whereas we kind of differed in terms of i was more in the pessimistic camp of yeah i think this might affect us and then you on the day of course i don't know if you still feel the same you felt it might galvanize us but it could go i don't know we just don't know we don't know and yeah speaking of which actually we'll just jump into that really quickly i was looking at favorites um joe odds on who's going to replace him and of course raj is the first man on the list so like yeah, we were saying no wait a few years down the line but i don't know can you see it happening I I don't know if the time's right. Um do I, but I, like weirder things have happened. Like I mean, yeah. If yeah, that's for true, yeah. Let's just say if La Rochelle, uh, this is this is where it's funny again because if La Rochelle don't do as well as they did, well, okay, realistically, it's very hard to do as well as they did last year. That goes without mm -hmm. saying. 
but if they don't really do what it, what Raj expects them to do, you'd almost it would split me 50-50 as to whether he would see it as unfinished business and that he was like, no, 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 I'm not going over to Toman Park taking over a team yet until I've completed the process here. However, yeah. if it doesn't go well, you could look at the side of yeah, well, I've I've done my best. We've gotten to a final. No one expected me to do that. Let's go. So yeah, I don't know. It's exciting. Like it actually excites me. And I saw another. We were talking about Felix Jones. He's second on the list. Really? Um, what I'm reading here, yeah. And there's some strange ones though. Leo Cullen is uh is is amongst the names, and I just no. No, I don't. Yeah, don't see that happening. Didn't see that happening. I'd say they're just they're trying to take people's money with that one. I think to be honest. Um, yeah. yeah, to be honest, but even going back to Raj, I just don't know. Um, and I, I like, of course, I don't know him personally, but he really strikes me as the kind of guy who's he's a businessman now more than he is a, a player. Do you know, yeah. I feel like Ron O'Gara, the player, would yeah. absolutely go back to Munster and he'd jump at the opportunity. But I think now, hit over now that he's a coach, yeah, he's it's not a question of when he'll go back to Munster, it's a question of if maybe. Um, like of course the not to not to speak for him or make him sound shallow in any way, sense of form, but uh, the, you know the paycheck has to be right too. He's not so, going to go back for. He's cerebral. You know, just, yeah, like I mean, there's a lot of great teams out there who he would probably also love to coach, and mm. because he's a rugby fan just as much as he's a monster fan, you know, like it's it's really not the kind of thing where monster have a vacancy and probably the most promising coach in European, if not world rugby at the moment. Yeah. Just because he has a personal tie to it doesn't mean he's just going to jump at it, you know? He just happens to be Ron Agara. Uh, yeah. But I don't know. It's a tricky one. I Like, I do think he will. Personally, I do think he will go back to Munster at some stage, but I don't think the time is right. I, I don't think it's... Yeah. You know, I think and... he needs to win a couple of trophies with La Rochelle first. Yeah. And I, I was going to say sensitive, which is completely the wrong word. It's going to be taken in the wrong, like, kind of, I suppose context, but like he's just passionate. He's like he is. He he wears his heart in his sleeve, and you can tell how many like past things that happened in sports. Like he he's talked about the the Lions test in two thousand nine when he makes that kick, mm-hmm. and that and like that still lives with him to this day. So I do get the the feeling that if he did go to Munster and it, let's just say things didn't go well, that would eat him alive. And I just I don't see I don't, I don't know if that's exactly. That's exactly what he'd want. I think I, I'm I'm kind of in your camp. I think it's do you know what I, I I keep making these like I suppose analogies into football, but it, mm. to me it's like it's almost like a similar thing with Stephen Gerrard. It's almost like he's he's putting in the body of work so that when he does take over, I'm not taking this because I used to play for you and I'm a legend. I've earned this. Yes. And I'm going to show you that I'm worth this. So that's what I think it is. So absolutely, yeah, yeah I'd agree with you. Maybe maybe too soon to be. To be thinking he'd take the job, but like, would I would I say no? No, I, I take him. I take yeah. him in a hair. I would yeah. just love. Would you not? Would, what more would you want than popcorn and watching Leo Cullen and Ron Nogueira face off? What more would you want in life? Very little. Like, and you know, but I do think Monster, like obviously Ron Nogueira is a completely different, a completely different kind of example. But Monster are guilty of kind of how would you say? Like they kind of seem to place reputation above form or above ability in many ways. Like you saw that with, I hate to say it, Axel Foley, not to speak ill of him now, but um, was he the right man for the job at the time? Probably not. Yeah. Um, like, did he do a lot for the morale and for the the, you know, oh, the identity like, of the club? Yeah. Absolutely. But you know, he could have done that. But... Mm, sorry, go on. No, but you're you're spot on. But that's what like absolute amazing human being, icon, legend, great yeah. man. But it, like we say, it, it it is a business, and it it is like CVs do matter. And exactly, yeah, exactly. And that's that's a category you do not want to fall into, and it's one monster need to be wary of is jobs for the boys. Yes, exactly. Can't yeah. be doing it. We can't afford exactly. to do it. And then where we are as well, we need to make up ground on Leinster. Mm-hmm. We just do. So yeah, yeah I, I would be fully in agreement with you in that department. Mm. And I think like like Leinster identified that kind of thing a lot earlier, maybe than we did. I know Leo Cullen is in the position he's in now, but like from from an on pitch standpoint, you know, it's 
the man in the driver's seat is Stuart Lancaster. You know, it's not Leo Cullen. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, with the, the, the complexity of professional level rugby at that level, whether it's football or whether it's rugby or whether it's, you know, whatever, it's all the same. Like it's, yeah. it's, you're trying to find the right pieces rather than the closest ones, you know, or the easiest ones that fit in. You know, you want to get the ones that will be the most productive. One thousand percent. And not every scenario is the same. I mean, situations are situational, Ben. So like, yeah. I mean, Munster and Munster, Leinster, Leinster. I mean, Leo Cullum was under Joe Schmidt. He worked with these people. So he he, he knows there was yes, a, there was a yeah. formula set and he's following it and he's following that structure. Munster don't have one at the moment. And yeah. even when we were trying to build towards one, he's gone. So Van Gran is leaving now. So now we need a whole, we need to go back to basics, open up the book and write chapter one again. So yeah, you don't want someone coming in learning on the job and with all respect, we need someone to come in now like, Okay, whether it's long term, I don't know. Whether it's short term, I don't know. But someone to come in and get us back at least challenging for a Heineken Cup again mm-hmm. in some sort of fashion. Because, like, we all hope that Munster can do it, and you can't write off Munster and Munster's ability to show up in big games. But do you expect Munster to win a Heineken Cup or, or really, you know, take out the big boys? No, not necessarily, not at this point in time. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, we'll see. There's not too many, like, outside of Ron Nogueira, that's the problem, though. There's not too many names that fly out at you. No, and I'm I'm sure there's... And, like, I, I heard Jerry Thornley talk about this in the radio a couple of days ago, but... Um, yeah, he's the most enthusiastic man in the world. Oh, he's but he's brilliant. He always he always says oh, things, and I'm like, God, why didn't I think of that, you know? <laughs> oh, he's absolutely... He's, he is spot on with most of the things he says. Yeah, yeah. Which but he, he was... He was um he was brainstorming about it and he was kind of saying, you know, when Michael Checa came to Leinster those years ago, like nobody really knew who he was. Like when Razi Erasmus came to Munster, nobody really knew who he was. And now they're, you know, Michael Checa's he had probably the best stint of his career in 2015 when he was the Australian head coach, um, losing in the World Cup final, but still at reaching that final alone was a was a, a huge feat. But do you know what like Whereas those years prior, nobody really knew who the guy was. So there's probably yep. is there probably is names who are being considered by Munster that we haven't even thought of or maybe even heard of. You know, um, yep. you know, this it it could be it could be a great thing, or it also could be it could be uh it, they could just be a placeholder for someone else. You know, you don't really want someone coming in and signing a three year contract for when Ron Nogar is ready. You know, or yep. when Paul O'Connell is ready. Yeah, or Felix is ready, you know. So I don't. Yeah, stop kicking the can and just let's actually get something Peace. organized. Where yeah, we can challenge exactly. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I suppose. Okay, so that's as much as you can say on on Monster's performance and their outlook on a new manager. Um, Leinster, Leinster Montpellier. So, do you think Leinster are entitled to feel aggrieved? I I actually was at the time. Before, when was it? Before I, I heard, I don't know who it was that said it now, but I kind of, I I only saw the situation from the surface and I only realized that like, oh, well, Leinster had a team named, you know, they were ready to go and then the game was called off and Montpellier yeah. wrong, wrongly got the, the, the five points on the table. But like learning about it yesterday or today and kind of really what happened, you know, it, it's kind of it's going to be tough for Leinster to appeal this one because, like Montpellier had one positive case. I think was it the week, like the Monday before the game. Yep, which is a good like a, like six five six days in advance, um, and then they recorded no positive cases since. But Leinster were recording positive cases or identifying positive cases, I should say, the Monday, the Tuesday, the Wednesday, the Thursday. Um, so by the time the team was named, there could have been positive cases within that team that was set to travel to Montpellier, but they just wouldn't have been identified in time. So there was more of a risk there. Um, now, needless to mention, we're not doctors. Like it's uh, where I'm, I'm re- if anything, I'm paraphrasing from, from um, where else I heard it. I believe it was probably off the ball as well, to be honest, because news talk yeah. is always on. But with that in mind, um, even though Leinster had the team named, Montpellier probably had less of a risk or probably managed their squad a little bit better. Mm. So, and it, it seems tough. It seems harsh 
but at the same time, I can now see why it was a 28 nil win to walkover, I should say, to Montpellier more than it was to Leinster. Yeah. Um, and I know like Leinster will feel annoyed about it, but then again, when you think back to this time last year when Toulon were in Dublin the night before the game, ready to play against Leinster, and then they were told, sorry, you have to go home. Um, and they know positive cases, and and like nobody kicked or screamed. It was almost like, you know, that's that was the deal. It was a quarter final, I should say. Um, yeah. But yeah, to be honest, I I did feel bad for them. But now, like now that I know what I know, maybe it's maybe it's it's fair. Yeah. I, well, I kind of think it is. I mean, you know, I think everyone knows the uh, the kind of the requirements now um, with the predicament that we're in. So yeah, I, I've. Yeah, okay, certain teams are going to feel harshly done by, and it's just the way it is, but with the amount of tests and the round of tests and testing that they're doing, mm-hmm. I don't know, like Leinster know, and they knew what was required, so now that it hasn't gone their way, I feel like slightly throwing toys out the pram, whereas other teams will just take their medicine and be like, look, that's the scenario we're in. Yeah. But again, as you stated, do I know the ins and outs, and am I completely... Have I researched in depth every scenario that has happened in the build up to that game? No, of course not. But yeah, I'm like you. It's a it's a tough pill to swallow, but it's one you got to take. Take it with a glass of water. Move on to next week, and yeah. let's go. Do you know that's, that's exactly, all you can yeah. do? So yeah. Um, implications. What does that do to Leinster now? Because I previously said that they were my favourites, which yeah. is quite rare. I don't think many people has them had them as favourites, but they were mine. Where does that leave you? <laughs> um, where it leaves them, I it's it, it'll probably be tough. Um, like they're probably not going to get a home quarterfinal. Mm. Um, but then again, who they're going to be playing in the quarterfinal is is a tricky because if I'm not mistaken, that game, that Leinster Montpellier game was the only game, or maybe there was one other game that was a walkover, whereas other games were proposed postponed. Yeah. Um. So you kind of wonder what the differences are, what sets those two teams apart. Personally, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but you know, it does complicate things. Um, like even when you think of those games that are postponed, I'm not sure are some of them probably are in Leinster's group, but yeah. like you just wonder, like, when are they going to play these games? Um, if they want to play them in January, they'll have to get you know, they'll have to get a permission from both the URC and the top 14 to play them during the weekends and then that kind of kicks the can down the road for those other you know the pre- the premiership as well like the premiership top 14 URC they'll all probably have to finish later as well um, yeah. 100% like they won't play the games in the middle of the week uh they won't yeah. no and the recovery time for players like i mean you can't exactly, yeah what what i think will happen is is it's going to be repeated last year i think they're going to have to scrap and possibly the next round of the groups think so yeah I think there, I, well, it's the only scenario I can think of that is that appeals to everyone. Like that will that will ease the the transition going into the group stages and getting this competition like done. That's the only way I can see it. So I can see going in straight into competition and just I don't know pick I don't know how you would do it. I suppose you pick names, names out of the hat. hat. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's God, yeah. where we're at. Yeah. So it's it's know. a bit it's a bit you like can't, you can't pull a rabbit out of the hat in this scenario. So might as well be names and you might as well get yeah. the competition done. So, exactly, yeah, because so. they got to keep it going, you know, like they can't just can't stop. That's what the Premier League basically announced today for any soccer fans. The Premier League basically rejected a proposal made by a few clubs to postpone games. Now, there's there's two or three reasons to this, but the main reason that they gave, which probably isn't true, it's probably money is the main reason, but the main reason they gave was that they can't have a repeat of congestion because if this happens again, it has a domino effect on the other leagues. And then if the other leagues are involving Europe, right? So say if you have European competitions and you have teams traveling and with this new variant, if you're congesting fixtures that are abroad, this will get worse. And there's no doubt that it will get worse. So it's not going to be good anyway. We're not in an ideal situation. Yeah. So try to play the games, have as many players vaccinated, tested as possible. If you cannot fill a team, fill them with underage players or academy players, whatever it is, yeah. and you have to move on. And it's not ideal for anyone. But I just think if we don't accept that that's the way it is, 
it's going to get worse and that's yeah. yeah simple as really so i just think that's the only way you can bypass a situation like this and it's it's kind of tough to see whether it's both football rugby or what have you it's kind of tough to see them go backwards as well a little bit oh the, it's it's still in this kind of same situation a year later but then again yeah. like you, the champions cup they can learn a lot from the premier league and they can learn a lot from champions league and um there's no shame in, in just copying what they're doing as well and i know there'll be differences it won't exactly be an exact um they won't copy it exactly but yeah it's it would be good to see to see some kind of form of, of them kind of synchronizing their their plans but uh but yeah it's it's just tough um like even last year even though Toulouse were very dominant i did kind of think that there was a bit of an asterisk beside that year because you know it's it's just not the same you know there's there's games postponed there's you're playing different you're yeah. not exactly you could make the argument that you're not exactly playing the the strongest form of your opponent uh if there is positive cases or there is you know yeah. even things like an empty stadium like that definitely comes into to count 100 absolutely yeah. so you know you kind of wonder like even like even limerick winning the all-ireland in 2020 in an empty uh in, a, in an empty croke park in was it late november very, december very careful what you say here ben i know and i will i'm treading lightly don't get me wrong i'm treading lightly very, very but the point very. i'm trying to make is that like if someone comes out and says well listen it's an all ireland but it's an all ireland that will remember for all the wrong reasons you, it's kind of hard to argue with that and i think yeah. there's a bit of that creeping into not creeping into it's absolutely in the the urc now especially with monster spending two weeks without a game half the squad in Limerick half the squad in South Africa yeah. you know like you said the Premier League the Champions League uh, there's a bit of it everywhere so like, I mean I don't know how they're going to proceed but I'm glad yeah. we're not the ones making the decisions at the same time because it seems like an absolute nightmare I don't know if they want to pay me enough I'll make a few I don't, <laughs> um, just, I don't know, I don't know so we'll, <laughs> I don't know what I do <laughs> I don't know what you'd say yeah. like We'll quickly we'll glance over so the two other Irish provinces, Ulster and Connacht. Connacht again. Yeah, they lost, but they lost with a losing bonus point and they put a serious before arguably the biggest test to Leicester at home since what was the game I watched? I, I know I think it was Saracens. Was it Saracens? I think it was Saracens. Saracens, I think it was. It was yeah. The last team, yeah, that put it up to yeah. Leicester at home. Because Leicester had been absolutely flying it. Connacht like Leicester dominated in a lot of areas but connacht again showed resilience to hang in there and just keep tip, tipping away tipping away tipping away and let them know no we're still here you won't get rid mm -hmm. of us that easy and to get a losing bonus point yeah i think they take that with two hands and i thought they were impressive again and once again how many times do i need to sing the praises of jack arty i thought it was phenomenal yeah um like i saw that game as well i i i watched this i watched it in galway imagine i was uh, out visiting a few friends and you know, in a pub full of full of um, avid Connacht fans, uh, like it was, it was, it was very interesting. It kind of reminded me of um, of the old times of of watching Champions Cup games in, in pubs, uh, watching Monster Champion Cup games in pubs because it was up yeah. just the volume was through the roof. People were ooh yeah. and ah at every decision, but um, but yeah, like I mean, even looking at the statistics, you kind of wonder how Connacht didn't kind of have a tighter grip on the game um like even looking at them here like connock made 402 meters while leicester only made 299 um the possession was 50 50 exactly yeah uh, connock had more territory they had 56 percent uh leicester only had 44 uh like carries connock had 103 leicester had 56 um like that clean breaks Sorry, go on. They would kind of just, it would just say again, it would go back to clinical nature. Leicester were just ruthless. And Leicester were ruthless. And like, like Leicester made way more tackles, 127. Yeah. Sorry, go on. Yeah. Say it again. A few defensive, there was a few defensive mistakes from kind of, I think it was, was it the second try? I think uh, it could have been the second try. I'm trying to remember now. Stewart, but it was just. I think so. I think the defense, but Connick's defense just squeezed completely, went way, way, way too narrow. And it yeah. was just, it seemed so, so easy. And it's just little moments like that where they will obviously learn, but that was the difference in the game. Do you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a funny one, like you're saying there. I mean, Connick could have easily came away with more, but 
I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Leicester just they're they're quite good at the moment. They're actually oh, a team. Wouldn't Leicester fancy fighting them. Yeah. No, no, me neither. Like I know they kind of had a few kind of slow years there, maybe last year, the year before, or what have you, but like looking back at the history, like they're really up there with the New England Patriots and the and the yep. Manchester United in many ways. And yep. you know, like it's it's they're always there. And if they go if they lose kind of momentum in regards to form and stuff, it's not long before they get it back, you know? Um, yeah. So, listen, fair play to them, but if, if I was Jack Carty, I'd, little be, I'd be annoyed I didn't win that game, to be honest. Because um, Connacht were working a lot harder. Uh, like, they had 100% yeah. penalties, yeah. Yeah. 100% in conversions, a drop goal. Um, yeah, yeah, Jack is probably like, what more could I have actually physically done? I know, I know. I did find, like, particularly towards the last quarter of the game, like when, especially Finley Bean went off with a yellow card and Leicester scored two tries because it must be so hard to defend with one less player, particularly in a Champions Cup game. URC, you could probably get away with it, but especially against an opposition like Leicester, like, they're just going to pull you apart. They're yep. pulling you apart anyway. So when you've one less guy in the pitch, it's just, I mean, it's... Yep. It's so much more significant of a loss. Um, but I like Jack Carthy, like his kicking was good out of hand and stuff, but I did feel like he did play into Leicester's hands a little bit. Um, yeah, fill me in. And like not just him, but like I, I just noticed a few times where he was kicking like a little bit too close to the halfway line. And mm -hmm. and he was he was kicking it to a Leicester fullback, or was it maybe uh, ben Youngs, who had dropped or what have you, but he was playing it back into their hands a little bit. Um, like they spent a lot of time in their twenty-two in the last twenty minutes. Um, uh, sorry, in their own twenty-two. Yeah. Um, like, do you know? Whereas I feel like other out halves, like Johnny Sexton in his glory days, or like Ron O'Gar in his glory days, wouldn't really have let their team be in that situation. Um, and if they did, do you know, it would it would be chalked up as kind of. A, a little bit less revered. Yeah, yeah it'd be a lot less of a revered loss than than Connacht's yeah. loss against Leicester the last day. So, like, fair play to them; they still yeah. did very well to yeah. to perform as well um, as they did. But if it was me, if I was wearing a green jersey that night, I'd be fuming, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's weird. It is a weird one because like, that's the thing. It's uh, throughout the game. You would have said, yeah, they would be fuming that maybe they're not pressing on and maybe taking a lead. Yeah. But with the way that the last 10 minutes went and Jack Harty salvaging that bonus, but you can't not, you can't not, you take it, if that makes sense. I mean, you would. Like, okay, so again, it goes back beforehand. If you went to Welford Road and you said, look, we get a Ludus bonus point, would you take it? Both mm -hmm. ends, thank you very much. So. Yeah, I, I completely understand where you're coming from, and you can 100% make an argument that Connacht will feel slightly aggrieved they didn't get more, but they won't. I won't feel like they'll be down on themselves or disappointed. I think they'll be proud of their display, and I think they take the point. Absolutely, yeah, I agree with you, and I don't think like there's no signs that show they're going in the wrong direction either. You know, like absolutely. Next time they go to Welford Road, they're probably going to be like, Do you know what? Or next time they play Leicester, is that was that their first time playing Leicester this year? It was. Um, yeah. Like when they play Leicester in the second leg, if it, if it goes ahead, um, like I'm yeah. sure they would have done their research and they'll be saying, "Listen, we're not letting another one slip away against these guys, particularly 100%. at home." Hundred percent. So, um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, to be honest, great weekend for Irish provinces, except Leinster, because yeah. they were all like, I think we've shown the talent. And it used to be like we all, I think everyone knows this unanimously. It used to be Leinster, Munster are representing Ireland effectively. And Ulster over the last few years have obviously gotten way stronger and are up there with arguably us now at this stage. And now Connacht have joined the party. They've opened the door. They have two Captain Morgans in their hand. They have Mixer. <laughs> they're ready. Like they're, they've, yeah. they've come in ready to party. Like and they've fully joined us. And now. It's just nice to see all four provinces firing. So, Absolutely. yeah, I don't know. I think Connacht are only going to go from strength to strength, considering now they don't go back to becoming the 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 boys who you can pick off for the for Munster and Leinster. As long as they they can keep players, we discussed this last week. I think they have every reason to, yeah, just develop. Yeah. 
Uh, Ulster, another great performance and another great win. Um, like you even mentioned it last week, you were like, they can't be written off. Um, oh, no. Yeah, like, and I actually didn't, I wasn't too inclined to agree with you, but now I'm I, like, it was actually funny. I was like, I, <laughs> I was never going to text you after watching, um, watching it. I was like, oh, well, I text Ben saying, yeah, he might actually be right here with Ulster. And I was like, no, I was like, can't be listening to that. Like, but you were, yeah. you were, um, they're dangerous team they're a dangerous dangerous team and a question i have for you just before we get into the game because this is one that kind of interests me so you mentioned cooney before yeah and his just consistency his ability like i was talking just 30 seconds previously about comment can they hold on to him that's a good question um i haven't thought about it to be honest i'd say they would um like i think he's one of very few players He's played for both Leinster and Connacht, if I'm not mm. mistaken. You know, he's he's been around the block. I think, is he 35 or 6 at this stage? Mm. If even. Um, of course, he's still, I'm, I know age isn't really a factor, I think, as the years that's, go that's on. That's what I'm I think. leaning towards. I'm just saying, could you see him going abroad for a, a swan song year? Um, yeah, now that I think about it, I could, to be honest. Um I could, to be honest, like he's not really in the anymore. Anyway, he's not really in the in the consideration for a green jersey at the moment. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because, not that he's not good enough, but I just think there must be something up. You know, like he's been playing so good for so long, and his stints playing for Ireland have been few and far between. Um, I think it's purely age. To do with age, yeah. Uh, no, I wouldn't think so. Because Gibson Park is no, Gibson Park's no spring chicken either, uh, to the best of my knowledge. He's like he's thirty-one, so you'd yeah. wonder. Well, he's young, like, but he's he's still got a good few years of good rugby ahead of him. But yeah, he's uh, um, I don't know. It's it's weird. I think there must be something up. He mustn't be the best guy to have in a changing room, and I don't mean to be just assuming this either. But like that that is a factor as well. You know, um, for a guy that good to not really be considered for Ireland or to only have kind of a sparse involvement with Ireland. Um, there's more to is, the eye. More to the yeah, there's more to the eye there, I'd say. Do you know? Yeah. Um, listen, yeah. and Nathan Doak, I think, is so good. Like, he's <laughs> like he's well, showing some really bright signs. So even if Cooney does go, I mean, listen. That's my point. So that's why I thought I'd ask you that question. That's why, because I think Doak is, they're going to build around him. And yeah, what well, the hair building around yeah. him effectively. So I just or wonder else. where's the space for Cooney? Because I think he does have another year of being maybe two, three years actually of being a really, really solid scrum half starter for a solid team. So I don't know. Yeah, I just thought I'd throw I'd throw it at you. Um yeah. yeah, so talking about the performance, another place where yeah, okay, it might have been harder a few years ago, and you I think everyone remembers those romantic clashes between Leinster and Northampton where they just always butt heads at some stage in the season yeah. and they were brilliant games northampton have fallen slightly off since then they have. still doesn't make it easy to go and get a result in the fashion that they did so i, I was I, I yeah i think ulster could be could be players in this competition like big time ulster absolutely could be um i was a bit worried to see ian henderson hunt, uh, stumble off the pitch or limp off the pitch yeah. um considering the guy he's a guy that they just got back uh he's their captain uh he's like he's plan a when it comes to lineouts you know it's it's losing yeah. him is a big chunk of the the puzzle gone um but then again you know like who, who do you get in instead of him um i one of those i think there's there's few people who are irreplaceable in terms of what how important they are to a team and he's probably one of them he's in that category absolutely yeah absolutely particularly sure. at club level like i mean at irish level it's it's different it's not as clean cut, you know. There's lots of great second rows. Uh, Ian Henderson also went through a bit of a, uh, a bad patch of getting red cards and giving away a lot of penalties and stuff. So this he wasn't yeah. always Ireland's first choice. But yeah, I think with Ulster, it's it's it really is a different story. You know, he's he's kind of the, the big pillar holding up, holding the whole thing up. You know, so yeah. Um, but yeah, listen, they like they are they have a wealth of talent though. You know, um. That's like that's, that's the thing, though. They really do, and it's mm -hmm. it's. I think they've always had a good 
so this makes any sense. So for a few years, they went through a team of having an, a, a pretty solid 15 and having a team that was very in the present. But if they didn't win that year, like through the PNR era and all that, like, yeah, it felt yeah. that was it. Whereas now it feels like they're building. So they're kind of winning in both areas. I think that they can make a statement at the moment, but mm. they're kind of letting other teams around Europe know that not only will we make a statement at the moment, we're, we're building to make a massive statement in a few years. Yeah, definitely. And I think they're probably one of the few teams as well that are making a big impact both at European level and dom domestically, I suppose, for lack yeah. of a better term. But like yeah. in the URC, they're they're not unbeaten. They lost to Ospreys, but like with wins over Leinster and wins over uh like who else did they beat? But like they're they're one of the the front runners anyway in the URC this year as well, too. So do you know it's there's a lot of it's the consistency doesn't really seem to be an issue for them as much anymore. Yeah. Uh, um, they seem to have kind of cracked the code a little bit, but um, but like there's so much talent under such uh, under an age, you know. Like James Hume is only 23. I thought he was a lot older, um, because he plays like you were talking about earlier about Ben Healy. Yeah, like he just looks like he's yeah. been playing the game for years. Um, like even the likes of Ethan McElroy likes of nathan doak like we mentioned you know there's like there's uh there's enough for a, a champions cup win and then some you know so yeah listen we'll see let's just see if they can if they can keep their foot in the pedal yeah we certainly will um because they yeah like if we're to look at it as as it is now yeah they have absolutely every chance of of surprising mm -hmm. the two um right so end of the year really um we will i suppose run through a few things i'll ask you a few questions in terms of just fun questions so one cool highlight of the year one moment one one moment one i don't know i suppose one iconic one iconic scenario from the year that you remember i would have to say just because it's it's I think someone asked me a very similar question and and this was my answer and I I haven't I haven't seen anything to that has made me change my mind but yeah. um I would have to say Keith Earls try against England in the Six Nations last year under closed doors or behind closed doors uh or it was that little that little strike play where they went over the top and Jack Conan just tipped it down just about got to the ball even though Tom Curry read it but uh yeah. Jack Conan must have some mutant hands because he just tipped the ball to Keith Earls. The gap was there. Keith Earls, Johnny May turned his hips. I'm not a big Johnny May fan, first of all. But yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, because he's, he's it, just I, I, score. He's broken my heart so many times. Oh, he's um, a brilliant player. But I just think if you're not a, yeah, if you're not an English fan, it's you're not going to yeah. lean naturally liking him. Yeah, yeah, that's why. No, and that's what fuels yeah. my. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. That's what fuels my distaste of him is because he always seems to score against us in the most like flamboyant of ways. But uh, but anyway, like Johnny May was cutting across over, just completely overcooked his line. Keith Earl stepped back inside and just dove in the corner. And I think like even since learning about his struggles that he'd been having for years. Um, oh, he's such a lovely character. Such a lovely exactly yeah and i th i think yeah. that try and that that achievement that he can still do it at that level against one of the best teams in the world internationally was just yeah. and God, you know no rivalry yeah he'll be he'll be watching that try for the rest of his life he'll be shown it anyway whether he likes it or not but uh no um, that was that was incredible oh uh, yeah what about I, you yeah. if you'd pick one that's a good pick uh, no, no no i asked the questions then okay <laughs> that's fair <laughs> no uh boah highlight of the year my god i probably have a probably have a strange one for you to be honest and it's 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 not necessarily on the field it was more i actually this is going to sound strange but i liked um barry murphy's tribute to axel foley oh yeah actually yeah that to me i i don't know why but i love that moment um and i couldn't even well of course i could tell you why it's just what he means to us but i just thought the actual what it was actually it was it was so long since i think people not that he'll ever be forgotten and shouldn't be of course but time moves on and joe everyone's like mind is on different things covid then we had sports and then everything that came with the automation series and then just to see that 
performed before a game and to see everyone all of a sudden like love and fall in love with rugby and people like him, iconic characters or just good humans. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. And I actually, funnily enough, I saw Barry Murphy about a week ago. Oh yeah. I was, I was talking to him about, I don't know if you remember, it was in a pub now. So <laughs> but, uh, we were talking to him. Well, I was talking to him briefly about it and I was just like, I thought it was absolutely amazing. I think he almost, I don't know if he took me serious because I, I was actually that enthusiastic about it. He's like, no, there's something wrong with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> He's joking about a song, but I was like, I don't know. No, it was nice. It was just, it was a really nice, I don't know, moment of just remembering someone and kind of galvanized Ireland before a game. And I, I know, I don't know. That, that's probably my moment. Strange as it is, that's probably my my highlight of the year. Yeah, rugby was. No, I, I agree with you. And I think it, it really shows for a lot of people who probably don't know a lot about rugby in general or don't know a lot about rugby in Limerick or the role rugby plays in Limerick. But I think like Axel Foley was a great example of the role rugby plays in, in Limerick society. And that song, I think, outlines that whole relationship and that whole culture very, very well. So, yeah, yeah, I'm actually annoyed I didn't think of that myself, but nah, good bro, choice. Yeah. Good pick. Um, right, so this is the fun. Yeah, I'm actually, this is the one I want to hear the most because I don't know why, it just intrigues me. Okay. I'll move on to player of the year afterwards. Give me, give me a quick two, uh, two answers to this. So I'm going to go, I'm going to give you coach of the year. And I'm going to give you player of the year. Actually, do you know what? No, I'll give you coach of the year and give me team of the year first. Team of the year, as in if I had to pick a team. You can pick anyone, national, club. National, anyone. Okay. You, you didn't want me to name like 1 to 15. Uh, of just oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll go coach of the year first. It's going to be really tricky. See, I'm so afraid of saying someone and then and then I and think, then I think have someone better. So I'm gonna mm, intrigue. Yeah, I have mine. Well, I have two and they're close, but I have yeah, I have them in my head. So um God, I really wish I got this in advance because I wanted to uh Yeah, you'd want to actually delve I into it. Think about yeah. it, yeah. But um yeah. God, coach of the year. I'm leaning towards Andy Friend, to be honest. Okay, that's a great one. Was he I your one? No, I didn't think no. of it. Now I'm like, okay, that's a good pick. That is a very I think, good pick. I think so. Because I really think even in the past couple of months alone, um, like when they were playing the Bulls or who was it, and, and the Bulls coach stood up at the like pre-game press conference instead, or pre-game interview, I should say, and he said, like, oh, sure, the only the only players who play for Connacht are the guys who didn't get contracts with Munster or Leinster. And I think Andy Friend has done more than just turn that whole idea and perception on its head over the past couple of months. So um, yeah. I think I think he have really has done that and, and done it well. Um and really made Connacht and I know Pat Lamb is deserves a lot of the 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 kudos for making Connacht the team they are too, but I think Andy Friend has really kind of put the last nail in the coffin in, in any negative perceptions of, of Connacht's to now. Yeah. So I think nowadays there there really are a, a team to be reckoned with. But um, but yeah, God, I, I'm going to be annoyed now if I think of someone better later. But I, I'm happy with my answer. I think Andy Friend is it. Um, I'm kind of playing, I'm playing a bit of a homer for mine, which is probably it's probably not really being expensive or thinking outside the box. But, but I, don't, I don't care. Um, <laughs> I have my choice. I'm going to go. I'm tied here between Raj, tied with Raj, and the one that many. People probably wouldn't agree with me, but I'm just talking about a year now. I'm not saying this man yeah. will go on to be. I'm not saying to be a statue in the next ten years. I'm saying this year, Andy Farrell. Andy Farrell, yeah, I was kind of expecting that to be honest, just mm. because, like, he's really he's proved a lot of people wrong, massively, massively, proved a lot of people wrong, and it's he's more. I think a lot of people expected us to improve defensively and become a lot more solid, but it's how expensive we've become, and yeah. but the way we play it again. It's it's one thing to beat New Zealand, which is amazing when it happens, and it's historic when it happens, and it is it's the days you live for as an Irish rugby fan. But yeah. the style that we beat them in, the yeah. manner that to me, that performance alone would nearly win me for me coach of the year. Like I thought it was absolutely unbelievable. Like, but yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's I don't know. I, Roger, Fair, I don't know. I can't decide. I actually pick a hand, Ben. That's the scenario we're in. 
And... I, know, I, I know, I agree with you. And I think it, a lot of people kind of thought that when he took over from Joe Schmidt that he would just be kind of like another Joe Schmidt and Irish rugby probably won't change all that much. I, think, yeah, I, I, I thought it was plugging a gap. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. People probably thought, did, a lot of people did. That's why I, I have him there because I... And it's not a disrespectful way. It's he... I just I personally for him set the bar not too greatly high. So mm-hmm. and he's kind of surpassed everything I've expected of him to do. Yeah. Yeah, he's up there for me anyway. That's so yeah, but I, I, I do like your Andy Friend might actually be the winner now. Yeah. That might take <laughs> um Okay, so yeah, okay. the player of the year. Now, player of the year, team of the year, was it? Player. Player of the year. Good question. Um, I'm kind of stuck between two. I know one of them anyway. Is Max Smith? No, Sexton. Oh, gee, I know. Okay, probably not Sexton now, to be honest. I know. <laughs> I know. Listen, do you know what? I'm very harsh on Johnny Sexton, but I'm only missing. He's uh, <laughs> he's um, Johnny. Johnny has had his time in the limelight. I think there's a lot to be said for the likes of Marcus Smith, and there's a lot to be said for the yeah, likes of Louis Rizamet. It's a new era. So, it is. It's a newer era. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like LRZ has made a big dent in in both international rugby and like getting his first Lions call up and all of the above. But I think Marcus Smith has really changed the fabric of the game of Northern Hemisphere rugby at this stage. You know, I think he's yeah, really like made it. Um, and that's not to say that other players haven't done similar reach similar heights in in their own regards but i think just marcus smith is is he's something else like we're we're going to be watching and studying that guy for a very long time for years to come so yeah i'm i'm just going to nail my colors to the mast early and 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 give him my player of the year i like that shout um yeah yeah i don't know who mine like i'm actually tempted to go again with two irish players again but i mean one i don't think has had maybe not the longevity like in terms of within the year like he had a stunning few months mm-hmm. I don't know if the year now he'd take it and then the other one of course I'm going for big boy I'm going for my man I'm going for Tyg Furlong Tyg Furlong <laughs> oh, I, I honestly think I think he's he's like a ballerina that has just basically I don't know indulged on too much Weedabix and just <laughs> has become that size and he's just his feed and everything I just think he raises the bar for other Irish players and the performance mm. levels he sets, I think has a knock-on effect on everybody in that squad. But maybe I'm just being too much of a homer. Maybe I need to watch more, I don't know, foreign rugby. I know. I, I know. I definitely, definitely in with a shout, like, personally. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's the Rolls Royce of, of front rolls, really, isn't he? Yeah. He's just, yeah. he does, like you said, he said, he sets the standard. Because I want to hear what you have to say about this. Am I completely, am I just being disgracefully biased here or... Could, could you mention Kalen Doris? Um, that's what I'm thinking. I don't think he's had the full year. I think it was more the, the nation series. Yeah, was, yeah, that, that's, I, yeah, yeah, that's too much. Of a, it's too small of a sample size. Exactly. So, yeah, and I'd not probably, to be. Yeah. Go on. Yeah, not, not sorry, not to be taken away anything away from Kalen Doris, but like, there's been a lot of great performances. Like he's gotten the nod recently in in the green shirt for the yeah. off nation series, but like. Gavin Coombs has has really turned heads, and you know what? so has Will you're, Connors. You're spot on. I you know, so. actually, I neglected to mention Coombs there. Um, Coombs, yeah. yeah, but then again, it's hard yeah. to skim over the likes of Dupont. You know, it's hard to skim over the likes oh, of anyway. Intermac and yeah, that's sure, the, the thing. Like breakaway just for just for the breakaway against New Zealand. Yeah, probably, just for that alone. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, but then again, um, there's you know, there's no wrong answer, but. My God, we could be here if you said name your top ten. You know, <laughs> then we'd be here another hour, I'd say. But yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, my God. Um. Okay. So yeah, uh, one more. We'll go one more, okay. and it's it's just a basic one. We'll go for the the double. We've done this before, but we'll just get a final answer before we wrap up the breakdown for twenty twenty one. URC champions and Heineken Cup. Well, Champions Cup champions. URC anyway, I'll start with the URC. Um I would be tempted to go for a dark horse a little bit, but would you consider Connacht a dark horse anymore? 
Probably not. Because they're actually that good. I yeah. Yeah, no, I, I would say I would I would they're moving into the contender category, absolutely. Um but you know what? I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past the likes of Glasgow. Do you know what? And even really yeah, I really think so. I think they could they could grind it out. Um that's I know, or I would have said Leinster now. Uh, do you know Leinster yeah. probably could get the job done, but no, you um, kind of me up with that one. Um not have thought you would have said that. But yeah, yeah, I just think like Glasgow, even Ospreys, like yeah. I just feel like they're they're really, excuse me, they're really picking teams apart really well. Um, yeah. I just feel like it's and the URC like leagues like that are they really are a marathon, they're not a sprint, and mm. like past success from those teams has really come down to that, you know, managing players and and yeah. winning the games you can win and taking your points and and you know, know why that could be a very interesting pick for one. For one factor, COVID. Exactly, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. It could be really favorites, whatever way you wanna whatever way yeah. you wanna say, will be depleted at stages. So as will Glasgow, don't get me wrong, but it, it suits a smaller team to have both teams depleted. Yeah, than it does exactly. Team. So it does, yeah, that's that's a good shout. I like it. And you're not you're not you're obviously not deviating from your uh from your champions cup shout, are you? It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. Um, it's tough. Do you know what? I could say Ulster could make a break for it. I do think Harlequins, I, if I had to pick one, I'd say Harlequins, but I do think Ulster have a good chance. Um, okay. Like, La Rochelle have a good chance. Could be Toulouse. It's, 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 I don't mean to be giving you loads of answers as well, but like, uh, it's, I think since, especially since last weekend. That are in the competition. And yeah, all of them, yeah, exactly. They could all win. Uh, but especially like you said with COVID, like you just don't know. You just yep. don't know. But I would love to see Hardcoms with it. I think they're good enough to do it. I'd love to see if how they played the game or how they won the premiership last year can transfer over to to European level. Mm. Um you know, and you could make the argument that what Toulouse were doing last year wasn't a million miles away from how Harlequins like to play rugby, so you know, you could see it. You could see a Harlequins to lose final. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, there we have it. Um, yeah. That wraps up the breakdown for 2021. We will be back for 2022. Do not fear. Don't miss us too badly. Uh, we will return after Christmas. From all of us here, especially me, Mark Riley, and Ben, thank you so much for tuning in the past few weeks. Uh, be nothing without our viewers. And it's. It's a really, really enjoyable um, podcast to do, and we appreciate all of you. And we all wish you from Sporting Limerick the happiest of Christmas, and we'll see you in 2022.